Activists are marching to Roxham Road to protest Canada's asylum policies. New Brunswick's Premier walks back a comment he made about going to an election over policy 713. Massacre at a Ugandan school. And the BBC calls into question the official line from Greek Coast Guard officials over what happened last week. Good morning. It's Monday, June 19th. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. First to Montreal, where groups are planning to walk the 73 kilometers from Montreal to Roxham Road in protest of Canada's asylum policies. While the event was planned before last week, the Supreme Court ruled last week that the Safe Third Country Agreement did not violate Section 7 of Canada's Charter. That section is the right to life, liberty, and the security of person. The march started on Saturday at Place Charles de Gaulle. For three days, they're expected to make the trek from Montreal to just near Saint-Bernard-de-la-Colle, where, by four o'clock today, they should arrive and hold another protest. Roxham Road was closed to asylum seekers, the motivation behind the march. Thanks to the Safe Third Country Agreement, asylum seekers were pushed to irregular border crossings like Roxham Road rather than going to official ports of entry and being denied if they came from the United States. The U.S. is considered by Canada to be a safe third country, and asylum seekers are expected to make asylum claims in the first safe country that they enter, per the logic of the law. Marie's Poisson from the Collective Bienvenue said, quote, It's not for pleasure that people will leave their home country. It's because they're in great danger. We want to show our solidarity with the asylum seekers by putting aside our little comforts for three days and then accompanying them, walking with them in the opposite direction, unquote. Now, while the Supreme Court didn't find that the agreement violated Section 7, it did bounce the case back to the lower federal court to rule on whether or not the agreement violates Section 15. That's the section that assures that everyone has equality under the law, regardless of their identity. Next, New Brunswick's Premier Blaine Higgs is still defending changes that he's trying to make in Bill 713, a bill that will force kids who are younger than 16 to get parental consent if they want schools to use different pronouns for them. The change has caused a caucus revolt. Higgs hinted that he would be prepared to call an election over the issue, but yesterday, while on CBC, he said that he doesn't want to go to election over this. On June 8th, six ministers and two MLAs refused to attend the sitting of the legislature to protest, quote, a lack of process and transparency, unquote, since Cabinet Minister Dorothy Shepard has resigned. Higgs said last week that gender dysphoria is now, quote unquote, trendy and how, quote, he believes increased acceptance of it is hurting kids and excluding parents, unquote, reports CBC's Jessica Mundy. Of course, forcing kids to get parental consent to change their pronouns at school is cruel and unnecessary. An update now to what is known about the migrant ship that capsized last week, likely killing nearly 600 people. 78 people are known to have died, but up to 500 are still missing. They were in a fishing boat that had too many people in it. The BBC has gotten evidence that calls into question the Greek Coast Guard's account of what happened. They claimed that hours before the boat capsized, it was heading towards Italy and therefore not in need of rescue. They said that the people on board said that they did not want help. But with the BBC's reporting, based on the movement of other ships in the area from a maritime analytics platform 
called marine traffic, the overcrowded fishing vessel didn't move for at least seven hours before it capsized. 104 people survived thanks to two ships, the Celebrity Beyond, which took footage of the aftermath of the disaster, and a luxury yacht called the Man Queen. They were instructed to take some of the survivors to shore. The BBC reports this. Quote, those rescued reached safety at the port of Kalamata, but left behind a series of troubling questions about the whole Greek response, unquote. Now to Uganda, where at least 41 civilians were killed in Mopondwe town near the border of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Most of the dead were students, and it was the deadliest attack in more than a decade in that country. Students were sleeping in the dormitory of the Lubiriha Secondary School on Friday night when their building was set on fire. The building is about two kilometers from the border with the DRC. Then, ADF fighters entered the school and killed people inside using knives and petrol bombs. 17 male students were burned to death, while 20 female students were killed with machetes. The attackers fled with six students. Ugandan authorities have said that the Allied Defense Forces, the ADF, carried out the attack. They are allied with ISIS. Ugandan President Yoweri Museveni didn't mince words and said that he would hunt the assailants, quote-unquote, into extinction, reports Al Jazeera. The ADF has existed since 1995. Rebel forces founded the ADF specifically to fight against Museveni, who's been president there since 1986. In 1998, the ADF burned students to death in dormitories in the Kichwamba Technical Institute, a school that is also near the DRC border. They also abducted 100 students in that attack. Those are your headlines for Monday, June 19th. I'm Nora, and I hope you have a great day.